Alright, it's now or never. I have been playing Monopoly for four hours, and all I need is just one more roll. One more roll to get to 12, and if I get to 12, every member of this game will be forced to subscribe and leave a review for the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. It is now, or it is never, I have worked for this. I have demanded this, I have cried for this. All I need to do is just do one more roll. Hold it in, hold it in. You've got this, Connor. You've got this, Connor. Just give one more roll. Yes! 12, baby! Oh yeah, who's good? It's me, who's really good. Oh yeah, it's me. Who else you gonna see? Oh, wait, y did you not believe that was real? I I'm sorry. Do you know what medium this is? You can't prove shit. Either way, long story short, like, favorite, subscribe, whatever you do, Monopoly is really f***ing long. Gentlemen and ladies, gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling with Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane. My name is Connor, and once again, we go beyond the traditional fantasy bookings you want to see your john cena heel turns we've got that you want to see your video games like legend of zelda we got that and now we've taken a step i never thought we would make <laughs> asking the question if monopoly can work in the wrestling business not not just the monopoly man no 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 i'm actually talking the legitimate board game monopoly and if you want to go to either one, because we've got two options this week. We've got one trying to adapt the game of Monopoly into professional wrestling. One doing the Monopoly Man. Timestamps are going to be in the description on the podcast feed and also on YouTube. Because uh, we've started to slowly move some of the newer episodes onto YouTube. And I think it's it's gone well. Like, I've never really had a massive base of people on YouTube, but it's doing pretty well considering my numbers so if you're interested in that feel free to go subscribe to that it's pretty much going to be posting this content here plus a little bit extra brucey bonus stuff if you're interested in that but with that that's a whole other thing some of you might be wondering why am i talking about the monopoly or monopoly i honestly it's because i couldn't think of what to do this week I was thinking, oh, do I want to cover CM Punk? It's like, oh, I've already covered a lot of AEW people this week. Uh, do I want to cover some people in WWE, like your Riddles, your Randy Ortons? I mean, I I'm not really feeling it at the moment. And then I thought, you know, this podcast is basically just a load of bollocks. And I can talk about whatever I want, so... <laughs> Let, let's add board games to the list of random fantasy booking ideas that have been featured on this podcast. So, yeah. And plus, it's a game that everybody knows. And I may as well just say it now. If you don't know what Monopoly is, 
Monopoly is basically capitalism, the board game. You can have a select number of players from about four to eight players with a set number of pieces that go around the board to essentially buy properties with a set amount of budget that you have at the beginning with extra little chases and turns such as your chance card, your community chest, and the whole goal of the game is to essentially be a capitalist monopoly where you just essentially buy out everything. It's really long to a point where I'm pretty sure I've played about a hundred games of Monopoly and never finished the game Monopoly. So <laughs> I thought that would be fun to do as it is considered many by the board game community, one of the worst board games that you can play. And why, why not adapt it to wrestling? Because Monopoly is bollocks, just like professional wrestling. Yay! <laughs> so with that, once again, timestamps will be in the description. If you like this episode, if you like any other past episodes, please do consider subscribing. Please consider sharing it with your friends, your friendliest friends, as I tried to make the weirdest and wackiest fantasy bookings out there in the world of professional wrestling. And with that out of the way, I need to kind of figure out and rattle around my brain. How on earth is this going to work? So let's talk about how Monopoly could work in the wrestling business in about four minutes. Let's, let's see how this goes. Right, so a quick little history lesson about Monopoly that people may or may not know. Uh, Monopoly was originally based off of the Landlord game made by Elizabeth Meiji in 1904. This would eventually be I guess used against her by another fellow creator, Charles Darrell, who would claim the copyrighted logo and basic rule premise of the game. This would eventually be sold to various other outlets in which we have officially Monopoly her today. Yes, basically, capitalism was damn well near real in this situation. So, let's talk about quickly the rules of Monopoly. If you're a fan of Monopoly or just board games in general, you likely know Monopoly in the lexicon of board games that you're all very familiar with, like snakes and ladders and all that guff. Basically, you move your pieces around, you can go past go, collect 200, uh, tax, uh, basically buying properties around. It's a lot of shenanigans that feels like it can't really connect to professional wrestling. Except there's one thing, uh, WWE has a Monopoly board! <laughs> Not one, but two! There are two Monopoly boards for WWE, basically meaning that we have an entry point to introduce Monopoly into professional wrestling. You have no idea how happy and sad I am to know this, that WWE has a Monopoly board. Which basically means that we have a storyline reason to introduce Monop Monopoly, the mechanics, and all of such things into pro wrestling continuity. The bollocks we can do with this! Imagine it now. A freaking Monopoly man coming out and <laughs> coming out with a million dollar man sponsoring a wrestling match. The million dollar man and the Monopoly man <laughs> trying to cheat each other up with their own fake pieces of currency. We've got some bollocks here, people. Some real good pro wrestling bollocks here. It's a gold mine of random stuff, and we're not even talking about community chests and chance cards. 
If you want to make an actual flipping board game, imagine this. And if you want to be meta, you get suspensions, stripping of the belts, open challenges. There's so much stupid stuff you could do. But we do have a couple problems with this. Think about it. Monopoly is a board game about capitalism. Properties. Not really involved in wrestling, is it? <laughs> you have characters in there like IRS and the Million Dollar Man. We've had a recent comeback with the Million Dollar Championship, Cameron Grimes, etc. But there hasn't really been a storyline based around board games, let alone a pro wrestling storyline that bases around the idea of capitalism and themes revolving around that. So we've got we've got a lot of elements to play here and a lot of stuff that you can insert or at least attempt to insert into the dynamics of professional wrestling and also we need to also figure out a way to ironically make it a bit shorter and make it seem a lot more fun than the actual game monopoly is okay i know there might be some people who love monopoly but monopoly is a very long and drawn out game especially if you're not involved in playing in it and you're cut out extremely early so we need to figure out a system to adapt Monopoly and the Monopoly Man into professional wrestling in a way that is coherent with the current product in any sort of professional wrestling company. And also in terms of the board game, possibly if you want to adapt it into wrestling, that's also relatively easy to understand, but also has a lot more tension and dramatic moments in it to make it a pro wrestling storyline. I have no idea if I explained that well, but I hope that was pretty clear. So with that out of the way, let me explain my process. Let me talk about how on earth we are going to make the Monopoly Man slash the Monopoly board game adapted into professional wrestling. And there's only one way I can explain this after giving a brief little run through of Monopoly. And that's through a little segment I like to call the tagline. And for those of you who are unaware of what the heckings is a tagline in this segment, it is basically my Netflix Crunchyroll summary of what I plan to do with the wrestler, or in this case, board game of the week. It's basically just a summary explaining my thought process. Uh, kind of like a little extra expansion of what we've said here about how this could work in professional wrestling. But, you know, with a cheeky little tagline to kind of summarize it all together. And it's there because, you know, Crunchyroll's a thing. Netflix is a thing when you're scrolling through. And the fact that WWE supposedly still has a thing with Crunchyroll. What? Why? I say this every week, but I'm going to continue saying it. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't understand. <sighs> okay, okay, with that out of the way, I think it's time that I ask you, my fictional friends, and everyone else who's watching at home, on the road, wherever you are, to encourage me to cue the music, future me! Okay, so I want to quickly run through the idea of the Monopoly Man getting into the professional wrestling ring because I feel like I covered mostly the board game in the last section. So the Monopoly Man 
is based off of someone else. If you're aware of American Finance, you'll likely be known that the Monopoly Man is based off of JP Morgan, American Finance, who was in basically during the time of the Wall Street, you know, type of era, the corporate finances. I, I'm missing my words here. But with that, we have to basically infer because assuming that WWE cannot get the copyrighted rights and they want to own the Monopoly Man in wrestling storylines here, we need to come up with a name. So he's also called like Uncle Pennybags in some cases of Monopoly when he was first introduced in 1936. So the kayfabe name that I've came up with for the Monopoly Man in case I inadvertently use his name in this continuity is basically the Monopoly Man, Jake Penny Morgan. Or basically a cheeky little acronym for JP Morgan that isn't against copyright. Yeah! So with that, that is a basic idea. We're talking about move sets for the Monopoly Man. I'm thinking a variation of the surfboard stretch called the community chest, where rather than locking the feet up and putting them all the way up in the air, because the Monopoly Man is quite short. There is no confirmed height for the Monopoly Man. So all we can really do is just assume he's somewhere between like Hornswoggle height and say like five foot out of like maybe like a Layla Hirsch. That is the closest I can think of for Monopoly Man. Stuff like that, the, uh, I like to think the Wall Street crash would be great because he was made in the early 1930s. Uh, which would basically just be like a jumping cross body onto someone. But with that, I think we need to discuss the summary of this and also the board game for storylines going forward. And keeping in mind this character introduction and uh, how rich people are portrayed in wrestling along with the board games, the tagline for this week is Built off the wealth of others, a capitalist supporting millionaire enters the squared circle to gain riches like many have before, robbing from the poor and giving to the rich because that is that is a very core part of the board game and which is very much the core mechanics of it rewarding you for being a ruthless capitalist monopoly man who takes the riches off of local business owners that that is basically monopoly down to a t <laughs> So keeping this in mind, we are we're creating a story for the board game. We're creating a story for the Monopoly Man himself. And in both factors, uh, they are factors that you can include in professional wrestling as a heel gimmick, which is more than likely the direction we will go. But it's also one that you could easily turn to interact with other characters, because at the end of the day, pro wrestling storylines are based off of money and winning championships and money accumulating from championships. So with that in mind, with the tagline firmly done and the music gladly fading out, thank you, future me. It's time that we get to the very first storyline of this week. And it, it's the one that I'll be honest with you, was definitely the hardest to think of because we had to make, I, I will say this very honestly, several adaptations. So, so bear with me at the beginning of this. So I will say this first before we get into this first part. We are talking about the board game first. It's very daunting because I will tell you this. Trying to make a clear cut adaptation of Monopoly 
into professional wrestling? Uh, it's really flipping hard. <laughs> and it's, it's very hard because it's a game about, you know, buying properties and adapting it to, like, you know, other businesses trying to come up to you. You're rewarded for being rich. And to be honest, that isn't a very baby-faced thing. It's a very heelish thing. But it doesn't really have a lot of results. So bear with me as we go through how to adapt Monopoly into professional wrestling and how we can inject it into current WWE storylines and make it work. So the story of how Monopoly is included into professional wrestling starts pretty much right now where WWE announces yet at their next big pay-per-view extreme rules that WWE will once again be sponsored and by Monopoly because they may as well make a third one at this point. And from this point, it is basically a key part of their WWE sponsorships. Think your K-Jewelers, your Dragon Guards, your Rocket Leagues, your League of Legends, all those random WWE sponsorships that may or may not fit your target demographic. They just kind of exist. So that is basically the point with it, where throughout each and every single week in a build-up to pretty much the next Saudi Arabia show, we see the number countdown as the day of the Monopoly game is finally getting closer and closer to release with a very, you know, very overpriced WWE 3D graphic, because you know it will get annoying, with basically money trickling down. Because that is Monopoly at its core. Here comes the money. Oh, here comes the money. Money, 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 money. And so during this time, Bobby Lashley is preparing a big feud with Goldberg. Where, as we already know, they had their thing at SummerSlam. It's likely building up to something at Saudi Arabia. God help us, Lord. During this, we get the added stipulation that because of interferences from MVP throughout his whole thing with the tag stuff that he's doing with Orton and Riddle and all the other stuff that we've had with like Drew McIntyre before if he somehow interferes in the WWE Championship match Bobby Lashley will be stripped of the WWE Championship so keep that in mind because I know it's gonna upset people but it may or may not happen during this we have Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville praising each other for how great it was to finally get that Monopoly sponsorship and do what is best for business. This all culminates to eventually we get to Saudi Arabia, such a progressive city, am I right guys? Where eventually, of course, we built to it at this point, MVP interferes, Lashley is pissed, we get a DQ finish. Because let's face it, Roman will likely main event. And... The WWE title is stripped. Nobody wins the belt. Lashley is upset. He starts wailing on MVP. Goldberg is annoyed, but he still gets beaten up by Lashley. We're keeping Lashley strong, which we'll add to later. During this, we finally finish the Saudi Arabia thing. The next night on Raw is the official release of the Monopoly game. Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce are going out, being completely happy and pleased. And as they do, the lights begin to cut out. Uh, Adam Pierce asks somebody to turn on the lights. What is going on here? This is, this is, this is a fully televised production. We are, we are the richest company in all of sports entertainment. 
And immediately as he says that, the lights go back up. We get some very, like, I, I want to say, I want to say million dollar-esque, but I, I'm sure I'll add some sort of music in here in post, where we get the debut of Jake Penny Morgan, the Monopoly man himself making a special appearance, where he reveals that it wasn't WWE that was spon that that was sponsoring Monopoly. It was the opposite way round because Monopoly is a global franchise. Stuff that's had Nintendo products, a Sonic Boom thing for some reason, Game of Thrones, all the franchises that you can think of. WWE was riding its coattails and for every city and every property that's been going advertising this product, they've just been adding more and more money into Jake Penny Morgan's pockets. So much so that he has been able, after having several words with Vince McMahon, unable to change the outcome of this situation, being forced to relinquish the WWE Championship to Jake Penny Morgan. Yes, the Monopoly man owns the WWE Championship because of shenanigans. And I know people are gonna hate this. People are probably already hating the fact that we've stripped Bobby Lashley off the title, but it's gonna lead somewhere, people. So that happens. We close the show on that shock. The awe of holy S-word, the WWE title, has been taken by a million dollar corporation in Monopoly. The next week, we get the Monopoly man live via satellite because he is a very busy Pringle looking man. Basically saying that he is, he is tired of the stale booking of Monday Night Raw. He wants the game of professional wrestling to be interesting again. How many times on Raw have we seen the same matches over and over and over again with little to no stakes? How many times have we seen the chaos of Bobby Lashley and MVP ruling over WWE without a single spot of challenge? And the Monopoly man wants to change it all. Done with 50-50, done with repetitive matches. It's time to roll the dice on professional wrestling, as he says that the WWE title does belong to him, but in the spirit of Monopoly, in which anything can happen in Monopoly, he is going to be putting the belt up to auction in a brand new professional wrestling style tournament dubbed the Monopoly Mania Match, which is basically professional wrestling adapted into Monopoly. And that is where we start the official thing, which will last for six months, all the way up to the road to WrestleMania. We are basically cutting it out from the Royal Rumble and the Universal title picture because, you know what? I like the idea of the Royal Rumble just being, you know, going to one big title and not keeping the decision because, you know, over the past couple of years, it's all been about one specific person. Like, even if it was on the build to the Rumble or even after, the reveal is usually, like, very close together. Except for, like, the women's title, so it doesn't really make much of a difference, and it creates a new spark into the show. So with that, let's explain the participants on this. So as we've already discussed before, the Monopoly game can have up to eight players, in which 
every two months, two participants will be eliminated from the Monopoly match. So, our participants are Bobby Lashley, the former WWE Champion, Keith Lee, who we're having the triumphant story of returning from heart inflammations and all this drastic medical stuff that he told in real life, Matt Riddle, one half of the Tag Team Champions of RK-Bro, Randy Orton, the other half, so we have a tag team who have to fight individually in this tournament. Newly drafted Raw Superstar Happy Corbin. Ricochet as your high-flying daredevil of the tournament. Sheamus. And newly drafted to Raw's Seth Rollins. Now, allow me to explain the rules of the Monopoly Mania match and how on earth this is going to work. So the rules of the game are I'm going to say relatively simple, but I need to go through it step by step. The goal of the game is pretty much the same as Monopoly. Accumulate the most money possible. And in this case, you earn the most money possible by winning matches. Two points, or at least 200 Monopoly dollars you win if you just like win a match. Zero if you lose, and one if you draw. Because you know what? You may as well put the draw in there, a la like a G1 statistics. And that is the basic format. If you win, you lose, you draw, that's how you get points, and that's how you rise up high enough in the ranks to eventually be one of the final two to compete for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. But... That would be a little bit too easy. You see, whilst that is the basic premise of it, that isn't really fully adapting Monopoly, is it? So, Monopoly, as we already know, it's all about, like, going to towns and, you know, investing in certain bits that eventually build a Monopoly chain. Well, we can't really do that because WWE is a traveling company where they're all going to the exact same city. And I don't think they want to pay for multiple arenas at once for a big tournaments. So basically, what we are adjusting this to is that each and every single week, wrestlers in this tournament will be given the option to spin the Raw Roulette Wheel. Do you guys remember the Raw Roulette Wheel? Let me give you a brief reminder of what that was. So basically, Raw used to have this big roulette wheel where if you spun it, you would have match stipulations in which the wrestler would compete during the night. Basically, that concept is returning with a couple extra things added. So, like before, you've got the traditional reel showing your basic matches. In this case, you've got your singles match, your extreme rules match, your steel cage match, so on and so forth. Now, with this, we do have the extra parts that are in traditionally Monopoly, which is like your Go. So basically, Go is also added to it, which is basically where you earn two points and you basically get to leave the night. You don't need to compete. You're done. You can go out. You can drive to the next town. You're good. You've got your points. You're done. Additionally, you can get tax steal, as you do in traditional Monopoly, where you basically lose two points or your 200 Monopoly dollars. And with that, you also get in this your classic chance and community chest. What do those do, you may ask? Well, to give you a basic differentiation of these things. Chances are basically good or bad additional conditions that can be added to your match of the week. So say 
Matt Riddle is having a match against Drew Gulak, and he gets a chance card. Uh, basically, rather than have a set stipulation like a singles match, a steel cage match, he'll be given a stipulation a la the labors of Jericho that he must compete to earn the points. In this case, it could be that he has to win via submission. Now, with that, that is another thing. So what is Community Chest? Community Chest is basically your wild card. Basically a set of things like in the real game Monopoly that can either benefit you or drastically hurt your chances going forward. In this case, it can also give you stuff like suspensions, which is basically you're dropped out of this thing for several days, uh, medical checkups, wellness policy checkups, so on and so forth. It's basically your wild card that can prevent you from competing or give you a particular advantage going forward. Maybe like you can use a weapon in the future, stuff like that. So with that in mind, that is the basic premise. Your goal at the core of it is to get as many points as possible all the while like trying to make sure that your opponents don't get any points at all, which can be done via beating them in matches or costing them victories via interferences. Stuff like that. So that is the basic core mechanics of this adaptation. So with this, this is going to be going on for six months. So we're going to be having some ongoing storylines in this. So with this, we have basically the relationship of RK Bro. You know, Matt Riddle and Randy, they've just recently became Raw Tag Team Champions. In this, the story that Riddle and Randy Orton have throughout this is that Riddle wants to help out Randy as much as he can so both of them can get into the finals. He tries to bargain with, <laughs> with the Monopoly man to basically donate some of his points to keep Randy Orton in the game partway through because Randy Orton starts fairly rough at the beginning. We'll talk more about that later. The next story that we also have here is Keith Lee. You know, after having months and months of absence after the heart inflammation, it is the big story to see if he can still go in the WWE, which hopefully could get him all the way to WrestleMania. Additionally, we have the story of Happy Corbin and the Monopoly Man because, you know, Happy Corbin came into a lot of money and basically is trying to get as much money as he can from the Million Dollar Man. Not the Million Dollar Man, the Monopoly Man. I got them really confused. <laughs> Where he is trying to not only get, like, favor from him, but also get as much money as possible so he can remain Happy Corbin. Additionally, in this, we have the story of Seth Rollins, your corporate champion approved by Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville because, hey, he is one of the most long-lasting, resilient top stars in the WWE today. Additionally, we have Ricochet, the guy who, since Brock Lesnar, hasn't really been seen as a big deal, so this is a big opportunity for him. We also have Sheamus, where it's just a big bloody fight, isn't it? So that is the stakes going into this. So I will not be able to realistically tell all of these stories within a tight, compact manner. So for the sake of brevity, the first two months is very much them trying to figure out the limitations of the rules. We see Matt Riddle and 
Bobby Lashley immediately compete in the very first one of these matches in which they both are forced to compete with set conditions in their basically a standard singles match where Riddle must win by a pinfall, Lashley must try and beat him in under 20 minutes. Now the match goes on for a very long period of time and Riddle in the very early stages gets a shocking win over the former WWE Champion. That shocks everybody, it shocks Randy Orton who challenged for the belt a couple months ago and it basically sets the standard that this is basically the G1 Climax Tournament, but even flipping crazier. <laughs> Additionally, with this, we have Keith Lee trying to prove himself in his own little sets and standard manners where he's having matches against Seth Rollins and trying to overcome the odds being a person who's only really been out of action for several months and he's trying to, you know, regain his cardio, regain all of this. And he starts to pick up a couple wins here and there. Happy Corbin here is very much having the time of his life, just enjoying the roulette wheel and getting a lot of very lucky wins. Basically, that he tries to explain it because he's very good at this stuff. It's how he was able to reclaim his wealth. All the while, we see, you know, as the camera moves away and everyone's going that. He's been secretly weighting some of the scales on the roulette wheel so that he can get some benefits to this. More on this later. With this, we also have Ricochet having huge competitive performances throughout the night, putting on some bomb burners with the likes of Seth Rollins, which I think would be very good, by the way. I'm surprised. I don't think they've wrestled before. I, I think that would be a really fun match. Just fast, competitive, high-flying stuff to eventually prove that Ricochet is still one of the best high-flyers and should be higher up the card by WWE standards. Sheamus just has a lot of fights. You know, you're just classic, like, big, brutey, beefy men slapping meat. That's basically his goal here. So, the points accumulate more and more as we get to, you know, the cut-off point of the first two months where, reluctantly, Ricochet and Sheamus are eliminated. They're the people with the lowest amount of stakes, but putting them, you know, continually in this sort of round-robin style tournament with some of the top stars in the Raw roster can hopefully convince them to get more bigger opportunities down the road against guys like Damian Priest going for the US title and other things. So that goes on and we move on with more of the story. By this point, Orton is a little bit lower down the rankings as, you know, the tournament is happening and they're also having to defend the tag titles. Orton's taking a lot of offense in tag matches and stuff like that. And Riddle, he's doing everything he can to just try and get them back up to the point that it's starting to cost him big matches against Keith Lee and Seth Rollins. This eventually builds to what can only really be described as the next part where in the next two months we have Unfortunately, Happy Corbin gets discovered for secretly cheating on a lot of these roulette wheels and is quickly called out upon it, in which he has a couple points that put him firmly in the lead of the tournament bracket. Further and further down, so he's at the point of elimination. He's up against Keith Lee, in which Keith Lee eventually wins and advances. And then we have Riddle versus Autumn, where despite Riddle's efforts, he was unable to get Orton all the up there alongside himself, so it's really a do-or-die situation between the pair. And 
In a shocking roll-up, Riddle beats Randy Orton to basically Riddle's surprise and to Orton's disappointment. We get kind of a repeat of, you know, the past several months of television, you know, back with the money in the bank where Riddle was just saying, Randy, 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 trying to just get that thing sorted. And this eventually builds to the next part, the final four that we have here. We've got ourselves a, a final four. We've got ourselves a Keith Lee, Bobby Lashley, Happy Corbin. Well, I've already talked about Happy Corbin. Seth, wait, no, it's Riddle, Rollins, <laughs> Keith, and Lashley. You can tell I've, I've really prepared for this. And with it, we have... In the final two months in the build to WrestleMania, we have Rollins versus Keith. Keith eventually comes out on top because of big underdog story. Him slowly regaining his stamina, regaining that agile quickness that made him such a threat in NXT. Uh, he eventually picks up the win in a shocking manner, beating another former WWE champion. And we have Riddle versus Lashley, a repeat from the very beginning of the Monopoly Mania. Where, as it looks like Riddle is about to secure a victory, oh god help me, it's very sad, but Riddle is hit with an RKO while the referee is down, allowing Lashley to pick up the win, 1-2-3, setting up a potential RK Bro breakup match at WrestleMania. And so the final two is Bobby Lashley and Keith Lee, basically telling the story of Keith Lee having to overcome so much just to get back to WWE and Bobby Lashley, the unjustly stripped WWE champion, bringing excitement to the product through all of these extreme matches and all of these random twists and turns in the Monopoly Mania. We get Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley where Keith is trying to finally redeem himself from having that five minutes match that he had during his return which eventually leads to Keith Lee versus Lashley and as it looks like Lashley is going to go for a spear we have Keith Lee counter Lashley into a pop-up spirit bomb for the one two three Keith Lee wins the WWE championship at Wrestlemania ending the Monopoly Mania match having a successful partnership in this rule and game of Monopoly or somewhat adapted Monopoly stipulation. And that's how we conclude the story of adapting Monopoly into it. Now, I could have gone more into detail about more of the specific rules and how this could specifically affect things throughout the tournament, but this is also a very long six-month build <laughs> that I, I feel I can only really explain it in cliff notes. <laughs> Because I'm trying to juggle so many things, so it is very summarized, I'll admit that. But the core of it is very much just trying to make the product more interesting, adding in your almost random stipulations to spice up the product a bit, and also tell these ongoing narratives about, you know, wins, losses, and draws, because they don't have to fight everyone. Like, consistently, they can opt to leave if they get the roll or go, which could potentially cost someone else points if they're scheduled to face in a match. You've got the whole, like, idea of having 
ladder matches and steel cage matches to add that unpredictability that WWE has always straight strived to create because let's be honest their advertised matches don't always happen <laughs> and sometimes they're changed last minute so at the very least with this we've got something that's very quick very spontaneous and very dramatic that could you know potentially keep people watching on television you never know so that is how I would book the board game of Monopoly and adapt it to you know really raise the stakes of the product so alternatively, how would I book the Monopoly Man himself? Our next story to book the Monopoly Man, I admit, will probably be significantly shorter because, uh, trying to make a board game into a wrestling story whilst trying to adapt it, I got way over my head. I'm not gonna lie. I went way over my flippin' head. So... Let me tell you about how the Monopoly Man, Jake Penny Morgan, debuts in the WWE. So, as we already know, Happy Corbin is a thing. And he basically says, after a couple weeks of coming out with his new music, where he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm so good. I'm so rich, diddly do. Uh, basically, he starts revealing that he has had a investor who felt bad for him and finally paid for his $10,000 donations on GoFundMe and that's how he's been able to finance all of his wealth and he keeps on paying it week to week after giving him specific orders and we see it, you know, throughout the show as he attacks people like Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens and various other people. More on that later as we get several vignettes. Very, like, million dollar man-esque where we see a man in a black suit the white twirly mustache of the monopoly man going into various housing estates various other banking estates and essentially walking in and buying the deeds to their houses buying the deeds to all of these random places and leaving them effectively bankrupt and that happens for several weeks and weeks until we finally see him arrive and buy out a building right next door to a very special episode of SmackDown. We see the Monopoly man, Jake Penny Morgan, debut in WWE. We get pretty much like a insert local enhancement talent showcase for our Monopoly man here. Pretty much showcasing that he's a smaller guy who is willing to take apart, you know, the little limbs to build up to the Community Jest submission finish, as we've talked about. Kind of a surfboard variation where he stands on their back being a, you know, five-foot man and pulls back the arm, both testing the arms and the back, eventually getting a submission win, where at the end of the match, he, like the million-dollar man, places some good old Monopoly dollars into his mouth. And then we move on from there. This continues to be a regular occurrence as we see him, you know, buy out all these other hotels and stuff nearby. He's basically kind of like a cross between the Million Dollar Man and IRS where he demands that, you know, real estate should be more expensive and they should tax the rich. He starts coming out with these bags of donations because they're in his property, his cities, all the stuff that he has personally financed 
demanding donations and compensation for his efforts. This happens from week to week carrying out his basket until he gets the attention of a intercontinental champion, Mr. Shinsuke Nakamura. Where, of course, things are turning out as they do, we get actually a very quick icy title match between the Monopoly Man and Shinsuke, where, well, the Monopoly Man loses, unfortunately, setting up more things to come, more on that later. The Monopoly Man, Jake Penny, basically from this point, is more aggressive. He's more demanding of these donations, and he starts attacking, we're going to say, planted fans who refuse to give him money. He demands that they give him compensation for what he is doing. He is keeping the lights on for every person in this arena. He keeps on demanding it and demanding it, attacking planted fans. He gets fined, but of course he pays it off almost instantly because he's the flipping Monopoly man. And we start to see him build up more wins and wins again. We see him even get to a point where he is continually demanding money from particular wrestlers that he ends up getting filed for assault by the WWE in which he is sent off to jail. But of course, in classic Monopoly fashion, he always has a get out of jail free card as he is financed out of jail. Someone pays for him to get back out there and head back into the WWE fold. And with it, we set up once again, Nakamura versus the million, the Monopoly man. From this point, we see, you know, build up matches to the next big pay-per-view. I can't think, it'll probably be Hell in a Cell by the time this happens, where Monopoly Man takes on Rick Boogs as a preparation thing. And during this, you know, Monopoly Man is pissed. He says that, you know, Nakamura has passed go way too many times. And whilst he's always gone to jail, he's always had a get out of jail free card. And what he will do to win the IC title will be anything. He's, he's, he's bought properties, he's brought franchises, but he wants to expand it. He wants to expand his reach away from these pesky peasants of, we're going to say, North Carolina. And expand it to the entire world, which he can only do and start with the Intercontinental Championship. So this continues to happen. We get eventually the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view where the million dollar man, not million dollar man, Monopoly man, Jake Penny, takes on Nakamura. And we finally get the reveal that as Rick Boogs is trying to help out, seeing that Monopoly man is trying to cheat, trying to, you know, get some of his like golden brass knuckles, because I imagine he's got brass knuckles, he's rich. <laughs> where out of nowhere, that Bum, poor Baron Corbin, now Happy Corbin, comes out to attack Rick Boogs and distracting Nakamura, allowing the Monopoly man to hit Nakamura with the golden brass knuckles. One, two, three. The Monopoly man wins the Intercontinental Championship with the reveal that he has been investing in Happy Corbin all of this time. We get the reveal next week on SmackDown that the reason that 
happy Corbin has been so happy is that he has complete financial security thanks to the Monopoly Man. The Monopoly Man holds up his Intercontinental Championship. He demands that Corbin gets donations from all around the audience because he, you know, is a big menacing dude. The guy is a former football player in which, you know, he grabs it. Happy Corbin's just happy, almost like throwing some money around in which the Monopoly man immediately slaps Corbin to stop doing that. And during this whole situation and exchange, the Monopoly man proclaims that the Intercontinental title is the workhorse belt. The horse's effort has been in the wrong direction. While the belt has represented excellence for many wrestlers, it has never been able to draw a dime in the WWE. The, no the Monopoly Man smiles. And he reveals a brand new intercontinental title design, very similar to the Million Dollar Championship, but it is christened with Monopoly Dollars, with a big classic Monopoly Man logo smiling in the center in which he proclaims that now this is the true money-making championship. This is the Monopoly Man's belt and this is the belt that shall represent thousands and thousands of high-ranking corporations. From this we have effectively Corbin as the muscle of the Monopoly Man manipulating others to avoid his challenges, bribing them to not go after the Intercontinental Championship and go against his businesses. Remember, what he is, in his own way, the reverse Robin Hood. He takes from the poor and gives to the rich. He hires when people attempt to, you know, challenge for the Intercontinental title. Local enhancement talents and various other low-ranking members of the cards. Your Humberto Carrillo's, your Jeff Hardy's apparently after this week's Raw. To face them in exchange of him having time off. Now, in this we're going to be having a several-month build of the Monopoly Man. Jake Penny as your Intercontinental Champion with his very first feud. Being against a young, plucky Dominic Mysterio who is trying to face him, not for the money, but for the legacy and the pressure that has been put upon him by the Rey Mysterio name to build up that feud. And because he's had several matches before with Baron Corbin to get over him as a young, plucky upstart, trying to, you know, do right by his dad, do right by the legacy of the Mysterio family. But of course, it is eventually too much for him at the next pay-per-view as the Monopoly Man through clever tactics and throwing some money into Dominic Mysterio's face, eventually picks up the win with a very cheeky small package, because we love a small package. And we build from this point to his very next feud, which is of course with Kevin Owens, because, you know, with the recent rumors of Kevin Owens' contract running out potentially, you know, tell the story of Kevin Owens' his relationship with Baron Corbin, where he tried to find and treat the error of his ways. Maybe you get a little bit of confliction with Baron Corbin here about how good of a friend Kevin Owens was in his time of need, which the Monopoly Man says, do you remember what I did for you? Remember what made you happy, Corbin? I made you. Not this company. They made you a laughingstock. They made you a constable for years. I made you 
a million dollar Monopoly man. And during this, we get the confliction with Corbin, the, you know, chemistry with Kevin Owens, which was surprisingly good. All leading up to Happy Corbin making his eventual decision to stick by Jake Penny, casting Kevin Owens the match, maybe spinning off into a little program with them, as Monopoly Man retains the IC title. Now by this point, we are up to Survivor Series, where of course, the Monopoly Man is building a larger and larger reach around the world in kayfabe terms. In this, the Monopoly Man, he's gave his investments. He's gave it because now this belt doesn't represent workhorses, it represents it as a franchise. It represents a brand. It represents a new legacy. And who comes out to interrupt the Monopoly Man's maniacal celebration? None other than the Swiss Superman Cesaro, a guy who I cannot believe has never held this title. A true workhorse of WWE, a guy who is chasing after the Monopoly Man because he is a true workhorse of WWE. By many fans and wrestlers alike, considered the wrestler's wrestler of the WWE. A guy who represents really what the old intercontinental title was all about. Of course, at this point, you don't need many promos from Cesaro, but you can just have it all done by the Monopoly man saying that he could buy him the world. Your fancy little computer games that you have with Up Up Down Down, your Departy Times, your, your little things with your little coffee business, I can help finance it all. We get little segments with the Monopoly man going to Claudio's Cafe, Cesaro's own independent coffee brand trying to buy it out. We also have like several segments of Cesaro showing off his power and strength taking on like Happy Corbin showing the strength for Cesaro until we finally get the Survivor Series match where of course this will unfortunately be the end of the Monopoly Man stories he goes for a you know a stretch but Cesaro is just too powerful as the Monopoly Man holds the back of his arm Cesaro gradually gets to his feet the Monopoly Man slowly stumbles whilst Cesaro maintains that wrist control Hitting the Monopoly Man with multiple uppercuts after uppercut after uppercut until we get the neutralizer for the one, two, three. Cesaro becomes your new intercontinental champion, bringing on a new era for the workhorse belt away from corporations, away from business being business, and back to the old traditions of the intercontinental championship as your wrestlers, wrestlers belt and that's how i'd book the monopoly man in a very short simple program really just designed to add explanations to the whole ba baron corbin happy corbin transformation and the whole like gofundme stuff because i think that's a nice little wrinkle you can add in it's a nice twist on baron corbin being you know baron corbin's mid-card vortex it also is a nice little play on the you know million dollar super rich gimmick that you know wrestling seems to be making a comeback with like playing like a weird mixture of like the million dollar man and irs like flooding that together and also kind of telling stories based off you know having baron corbin there and his like 
matches against nearly everybody who's in WWE's mid-card, and then just using the Monopoly Man as like a mouthpiece and demanding like donations from the crowd because everywhere in his mind is his city that he has bought and owned. <laughs> I, I think that's like a very fun thing as like, hey, this character is technically a real estate agent <laughs> trying to scam all the audience members who have already paid money for a ticket because uh, some of them WWE front row seats, they're really expensive. Imagine seeing like the, you know, the John Cena shirt guy or, you know, the various of like Brock Lesnar guy trying to scam him out of money. <laughs> I think that'd be really fun. And, you know, it's a memorable story for the IC title that kind of feels, if I'm being honest, kind of forgettable on the main roster at this point. Like the whole Apollo Crews IC title reign whilst... I think it was great for Apollo that he won at WrestleMania. There wasn't really much going on with it. And Nakamura's had a fair share of history of winning the belt and kind of, in my opinion, having very forgettable runs with the championship. I I think it's a very fun way to kind of tie in all of the legacy of the IC title and also bring it in a new direction whilst, you know, bringing back the nostalgia of the classic Intercontinental Championship. And that's, that's kind of my whole explanation for that. And honestly, it's, it's a game of Monopoly. Whether you're a Monopoly man or you're a Monopoly person, or you just love board games. With storylines like these, you've always got to roll the dice. Oh, God. So we've reached the end of this episode. What a... I can't tell if this was good or if it was bad. I I don't know. <laughs> that that that's always the thing with these ones where it's just like it's not a wrestler, but you you you're not sure. You're not sure if this is good or if it's bad. You kind of just record it and see what happens. <laughs> and there's I I personally think I love the whole Monopoly Man used in the IC title picture. I'm not sure about my adaptation of the board game. So, a uh, little cutting room floor here for the rest of you here. Uh, trying to adapt a board game into a, a thing and make it wrestling related. It's very hard. It's very hard. I, I spent way too much time trying to think of the rules. <laughs> like, how do you make this work? How do you make Monopoly with the WWE! What do you do? How do they go past go? How do they hit tags? How does community chess work? Oh god, it was so confusing. And I try to make it organized, but I'm not gonna lie to you, I was stressing out. I had no idea how to do this. <laughs> I that, that seems to be the main consensus of me in podcasting and just creating fantasy bookings weekly, I guess? I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it! <laughs> oh, God. And with that, you know, I, we've reached the end of this episode, and I realise I'm going to be rambling here. Uh, a huge thank you to everybody who got me to the point that we have now officially reached 2,000 downloads! Give, give yourself, like, a a clap on the back, a thank you, or 
you know, treat yourself to your favourite takeaway, your favourite meal deal. Thank you so much. Legitimately, I've I've been doing this for over a year and a half, and I don't think I ever thought I would ever get to a number like this. Okay, not a year and a half, over a year. Over a year, because my one year anniversary was a couple of weeks ago. Time flies! <laughs> and I, I couldn't have imagined I ever would have got to this point. I mean, I've said this multiple times in outros. You guys make my day better. Like, I, I started this podcast just to try and make friends who want to talk about wrestling, because I never grew up with friends who liked wrestling. It was just me, my older brother, and we just watched wrestling together. I I never really had, like, wrestling friends. So this whole thing that's kind of tried to combine my, I, I want to say, middle-of-the-road writing skills <laughs> and professional wrestling, I... I am I am blessed to have people like you want to respond to it, want to retweet it, want to like and share and subscribe and all of that fun jazz. And I couldn't be making this or having as much fun making this and daring myself to make an actual fantasy booking storyline with Monopoly if it wasn't for the kind and lovely reception that I've had from each and every single one of you who have seen these episodes, who have stuck around from the beginning, or you're watching new for the first time, so thank you all so much for that. Next week, uh, I, I have no idea who I'm really going to particularly cover for next week. There's a couple of options that I have in mind, but it's all really going to be building up to depending on what's going to be happening, I guess in a few days, because, uh, Things are starting to get a little bit more busy in my life, so I've got to start organizing this stuff a little bit more. So if I end up having to change dates or, you know, make this go from like a weekly to a like fortnightly thing, I'll let you guys know on all forms of social media. But that that could change either way at some point. So with that, once again, Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked this episode, consider subscribing, consider uh, leaving a review on insert your favorite podcast app here, stuff like Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Podchaser, on all other podcasting platforms. It helps out more than you know. I am on a mission to get my first iTunes review. The mission is still going as we have now gone beyond plus ultra beyond 2000 downloads. If you like what I do and you want to see a bunch of teasers and gifs and all that fun stuff about wrestling with fiction, you can follow me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper. You can follow me on Instagram at wrestling with fiction. If you want to see me, you know, with my weird looking face and my Weird plastic giraffe scar. You can also find me on TikTok. And also, with the new things, you can also find me on YouTube, where this episode will be posted on Monday, hopefully. So, with all that out of the way, thank you all so much for listening. I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all.
Good night, everybody.